0: You know, as they were singing that song, "Victory in Jesus," I started thinking. You know, this this week, um, my uh, my pastors. I shared this on Sunday. This my pastor's wife from growing up, uh, who is kind of the stalwart of our uh, church, growing up and such, uh, went on to be with Jesus. And uh, I, you know, I remember. I remember every you know every time we would go home to see her, she would she would always grab my arm. And she says, "Zach, we need revival. This generation needs revival." She would you know that was her heart, and and uh, she'd always ask you know, "Is the church is the church in Ohio experiencing revival yet?" That was always the question, and uh, so anyway, uh, she went on to be with Jesus, and then a good uh, a friend of mine that I knew from Illinois. Um, who's a youth pastor and such, uh, also died this week from, he was 36, 37 years old, and uh, had an 18-day battle with melanoma. And uh, so I was thinking about that song, you know, as we're singing about the uh, mansion in glory. <laughs> oh, what rejoicing they're doing right now. The reality of that song is very real for them. And uh, I am so thankful, you know, that we, we have a hope. Well, I have a hope. I don't know about you, but I have a hope (laughs) in Jesus that that no matter what happens in this life, you know, and and, you know the awesome thing, there's streets of gold and there's all those things the song talks about, but the greatest thing, what makes heaven heaven? Isn't that you're going to see your loved ones, your friends, or families if they're born again? You're going to see Jesus. <laughs> That's what makes heaven, heaven. Jesus makes heaven, heaven. And, uh, you know, how awesome. How awesome. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter 2. Be praying this weekend uh, for our JBQ team. They're headed off to uh, a regional, is regional competition. Did I say that right? kind of, sort of, but uh, invitational, whatever, yes, they, so they're headed there, I joined their practice earlier this evening, and uh, my response, I text Heather and said, they, these JBQ people are hardcore, uh, so I, uh, I would not want to quiz against them, they're, they're pretty intense, I thought Mandy was going to throw a chair, no, I'm just joking, <laughs> No they, they, they study hard, and I, I want to encourage you if you have any kids if you have any kids uh, that are JBQ age, make sure that you get them plugged in with Mandy and the JBQ team. That is such a powerful way Junior Bible quiz is such a powerful way to learn the scripture, to commit it to memory I, I was in JBQ as a kid I still remember the questions some of it started as I was up there it was bringing back Oh, so wonderful memories of competition. But uh, anyway, so a great, great place for, for your kids to get involved. But Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard... That he was in the house. Everybody say, he was in the house. Man, when Jesus comes in your house, (laughs) things get messed up. (laughs) When Jesus walks in, he begins to turn the, the furniture over, as they say. You know... We, we get so comfortable sometimes in, in our routines. How many of you know we get comfortable in our routines? But man, the minute that Jesus comes in and he begins to put his finger on the things in our house, life begins to turn upside down. Here's, here's this family. Jesus is in their home. And, uh, you know, here, here they are possibly in Peter's home. They're, they're in the house and in comes, they find out Jesus is in the house. And in comes all of these crowds, so much so the Bible says that they filled the house that you couldn't even get in the door. Wow. Talk about uncomfortable. Yeah. That would I, I I love having people over to our house, but but I have these because of my OCD of cleanliness. I, I have this problem if our house is not absolutely spec-free, perfect, and absolutely in order before our guests come over. And uh, I, yeah, that's how real is realistic is that. But uh, with a with a two-year-old. But I. Uh, I I can almost imagine Jesus coming in this home and expecting just to have just a normal day with his friends in Capernaum, and all of a sudden in comes the crowds wanting to hear from Jesus. I don't know what you're facing this evening or what's going on in your life or what's going on in your family, but I promise you this, invite Jesus into your home and he'll begin to deal with the paralytics and the issues in your house. He'll even deal with those, those scribes and Pharisees that are sitting along the side. Lines, judging everything that you do. Guess what? Jesus will even deal with them. Because I I know that you've never had someone in your life trying to tell you you couldn't do and tell you everything you can't do. And when Jesus gives you a vision or direction for your life, there's always somebody who will tell you, you just need to stay paralyzed. You just need to, you know, you just need to stay on the mat. You just need to stay. You know, it's funny. It's so funny, you know, when Jesus begins to touch people and, and, and the Holy Spirit begins to move on people, it's so interesting seeing the, the supernatural joy and, and people jumping and dancing and leaping and worship to God and, and, and the, the expressions of worship are incredible. I love it. I love every bit of it. Whether you're crying, you're laughing, shaking and trembling in fear, or just standing there with your hands up, whatever it is, I love it. And uh, it's so funny to watch sometimes people's reactions. I think often that people would rather you stay depressed, sad, broken, beat up. You know, they can handle you depressed, but man, you get the joy of the Lord in your life, and you start actually being happy. Someone asked. Uh, someone told me recently they, that they were asked, Can you laugh? Is it okay if I laugh at your church? I said, absolutely. I want everybody laughing in church. Uh, they were asking in the natural, but I, of course I'm saying I want, I want the supernatural joy and laughter of the Holy Ghost. But, but yes, yes, it's funny how people, it's funny how people would rather you be depressed and discouraged than begin to get off your mat and walk. But when Jesus comes in your house, he deals with all of that. We go on in verse 2. It says, immediately. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men, and they could not come near him because of the crowd. So they uncovered the roof where he was, so when they had broken through, they had let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And when Jesus saw their faith, everybody say their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, I'll talk about this in a minute, but it wasn't just the, the paralytic's faith, or it wasn't just one of the people. that It was their faith, their collective faith. What, what powerful dynamic when we have collaborative faith, corporate faith. There, there is a place of power in individual faith. You and I, each of us, the Bible says God has given us a measure of faith. But how, how awesome is it that Jen gets to bring her measure of faith and Joe brings his measure of faith and, and Bob brings his measure of faith, Joey brings his measure of faith, and, and all of those measures of faith come together in this place called the body of Christ. How, how awesome is it that each of us have been given that measure of faith, but when you and I get together, when we begin to partner together, as the body of Christ, we begin to do things that one person couldn't do on their own. We begin to we begin to see supernatural signs and wonders. Things begin to happen that on our own couldn't ever begin to take place. The Bible says that one could put a thousand, or ten, but and then tenth two, the ten thousand. How awesome is it that when you and I begin to unite together with your measure of faith, maybe God has given you faith uh, in relationship to the food pantry. You know, Jen. How awesome is it Jen's launching our food pantry? And her and I talked, and she's, you know, she caught the vision and got what God was saying and speaking, okay, let's do this. And uh, I said, you know, it would, wouldn't it be awesome if we could have people involved in the food pantry who aren't already doing a million things, that we could just have some new, new people involved with that? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You're the Wednesday night crowd, you know absolutely what I'm talking about, and uh, and and that's what she's got. She has a whole team of people involved already that, that are that are they're new. Most of them are new or newer to the church. And so we're excited about that. She she came with a measure of faith and God rewarded her. And then, you know, Mandy with the JBQ. Lord, I don't have faith for that. <laughs> Working with those kids, teaching them those questions, dealing with the parents—you know—all of those things. She came with her little measure of faith, and we have two JBQ teams that are national, cha- you know, national champions. I mean, they've gone to nationals. They're not number one, but they're close. And uh, to me, they're number one. That's all that matters. So. So they're they're champion, you know. So everybody comes together with their measure of faith. Our, you know, I have a measure of faith right now for our facility makeover, and uh, you know, I'm believing and I'm believing for that that price right? You know, there are things that I'm looking for. I have a measure of faith for that. Why? Because I want to reach our community. I want to do see God do new things in our church through our church and have the facility to accommodate it. Amen. And so I come with my measure of faith. And we all come together, and before you know it, the body of Christ is united together doing things that we couldn't do in our own ability. And so we'll read on here. It says that uh, Jesus saw their faith and said, "'Son, your sins are forgiven you.'" In verse 6, says, "'And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, "'Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? "'Who can forgive sins but God alone?' But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to a paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? Now, if you were asking me that question, I would say, Your sins are forgiven. I mean, how much you you can't see... You can't see the effect in the immediate of sins being forgiven. But if I say to you, to a paralytic, get up and walk, the proof is in the pudding, as I say, it's right there before your eyes, whether or not the reality of what I said has affected you. And so Jesus says, in order to prove to you that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he turned to the paralytic and said, Arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that they were. All amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. <laughs> I'm sure they hadn't. You know, in, in Luke chapter 5, I won't take the time to uh, read that version, but again, Luke's account. Luke adds the phrase that the power of the Lord was present to heal. And so that there's a, there's a lot of similarities there, but we're going to come back to that phrase. That's the one phrase that that Luke indicates the power of the Lord was present to heal. First off, this man and his ailment. This man came in paralyzed. He was incapable and incurable. The gospel says that every man is incapable of doing anything good. It says, you are not merely paralyzed, but each of us are dead in our sins and in our trespasses without Christ. Christ comes and makes us alive. And so here's this paralyzed man. His ailment, his paralyzation is symbolic of each of our lives. That each of us have something in our lives that needs the touch of God. That needs the word from heaven that says, I say to you, arise. Maybe there's a vision or, or something that God's placed in your heart or a promise that you felt like that God has forsaken his promise for your life. Or maybe, maybe you feel like that God has forsaken this particular family member and you see them in distress and despair. But I say to you, just like he said to this man who was paralyzed, who was carried in by the four friends, I say to you, arise in Romans chapter 1 it says uh, in verse 22 and 23 professing to be wise they became fools and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God into images made like corruptible men. That's what sin is. Sin is us exchanging the glory of God, the, the nature of God, exchanging God for things that cannot satisfy. We begin to, we begin to put our hope and our trust in the things of this world. We take and find our pleasure instead of instead of God. Instead of finding our enjoyment and our fulfillment in God, we begin to look to broken cisterns. We find our enjoyment in things that never fulfill. C.S. Lewis said this if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea." we are far too easily pleased. How true that is, that when God offers a, a holiday at the sea, when God offers us this expansive enjoyment of Him, we are far easily pleased, far too easily pleased with things in this life. Where's your hunger at for the passionate pursuit of God? Where's your, where's your level of hunger for the things of God? Where's, where's your passion level tonight for the things of God? Are you are you passionately vibrantly pursuing the things of God in His presence and who He is in your life? Are you too captivated by the things of this life? Well, I'm here on Wednesday night, Pastor Zach. Shouldn't that say something? <laughs> if all you do is come on Wednesdays to check your checkbox, then yes, it says a lot. God wants us to pursue Him, not, not our religious duties, not, and yes, all of those things are important, but oh God, might they be the overflow of our encounter with God and not just our checklist or forms or religious duty. John Piper said this in his book, God's Passion for His Glory, which I'll, I'll add an addendum there. Great book. If you want a good book, but a lengthy book to read, John Piper's book based on Edwards' sermons, God's passion for his glory. He says this, Virtue, on the other hand, is to pursue the enjoyment of God with all our might. No half-hearted, polite, dutiful religiosity here. One of Edwards' resolutions that he recorded in his notebooks early in life, Edwards was probably about 20 in his early 20s at this point, said to live with all my might while I do live. Pursuing delight in God is not something one may do half-heartedly if he realizes who he is pursuing and what is at stake. Lord, help us to not be half-hearted Christians. Lord, help us to see that our passion, our pursuit is you and not the things of this life. Jumping back to this phrase in Luke 5, it says, "...the power of the Lord was present to heal." There was a distinct atmosphere coming into this building, into this home. There was, a, there was something unique about this meeting. I don't know if you've ever been in a service like that before. Uh, I would say if you were here on Sunday that you probably could uh, could relate to that. There was a Sunday morning, there was a distinct atmosphere in the, in the building. There was a distinct atmosphere, an atmosphere of His power, atmosphere of His presence. Lord, help us to be aware of the atmosphere of the power of His presence. People came to the house expecting Something supernatural. They came into the home. Why? Because they had heard of what Jesus was doing throughout the country. He, they were hearing the stories. Matthew 4, verses 23 through 25 says that Jesus was going through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news about him spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all who were ill, those who were suffering with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. And large crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis in Jerusalem, Judea, from the beyond the Jordan. So Jesus's reputation here, even at the onset of his ministry, had spread from all the miracles and the teachings that were happening. And so they came to this house in Capernaum to see what Jesus was all about. The crowds and and the sick and the and the Pharisees came. The Bible says the Pharisees and scribes and these religious leaders came from all over Judea to hear and to see this man Jesus. But there, but the, Luke notes that there was a Distinct atmosphere in the room that the power of the Lord was present to heal. There's one place that you need to get yourself is in the place where God's healing people. If you're God, help us that we're not in a church where the power of the Lord is not present to heal. Lord, help us to have a church where the presence of the Lord is real to us and is right in our face, Lord, that it becomes so obvious to us that we need to create a habitation for the presence of the Lord, that we come with expectancy, that we come with a hunger, that we come with a desperation to church, Not not just coming in to see what, you know, Great message, Pastor Zach. That was good singing. Like the lights, it was you know great performance. No, no, no. We come hungry for His presence. We come hungry for His word. Uh, someone was sharing a testimony with me this week, and, and uh, I, I don't even know who it is actually. Um, I forget who we, who he said it was, but someone said that they they hadn't come to our church, or they were invited. They were invited to a church to the to the church with another event or something, but they had turned on. They turned on the uh, podcast and was captivated by the podcast and came to church because of being captivated by the podcast and the ministry, the power of the Lord present to heal. He draws people in. He'll draw some of the skeptics as well. (laughs) They'll come out by the droves. When the power of God is present in the house, the skeptics will come too. Let them come. People will come to they'll, they'll have, believe me, they'll have something to say. Everybody, isn't it, isn't it funny that I'll, we all have opinions? Everybody always has, has an opinion. But the skeptics didn't stop Jesus. Jesus knew what he came to do. He knew what his calling was. He knew what his ministry was. You know, I, I don't. I don't ever see Jesus backing down and saying, "Oh, well, us not offend the Pharisees." You know, <laughs> really, let's not. You know, let's not offend them. We don't want to rub them the wrong way. I I know I'm going to the cross and all, so that the Holy Spirit can come and people can be restored the presence of God. And you know, that's that's a little messy and all. And you know, we just crucifixions really too messy you know let's let's make let's let's make it a little bit more politically correct and easier for the pharisees to handle this you know me being beaten and in blood and you know that's just not that's let's let's dress it up a little bit no jesus never did that he actually got in their face and called them a brood of vipers you whitewashed tombs uh, he didn't back down he was afraid of no man that's what happens when you when you step into this power of his presence, when you begin to live in his presence, it's not arrogance, but when you have an encounter with the One who's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, it, it doesn't matter what man says. You have an audience with the King. You have a relationship with the One who rules all things. And so you can stand with a spiritual, intestinal fortitude and say, I don't know what you're talking about, but I am not forsaking the atmosphere of His presence. I am not forsaking the power of the presence of God in my life. Knowing what Jesus came to do, he was able to stand, look them in the face and say, who do you think you are? Why would you have these thoughts? This man's paralyzed, but in order to show you and to show you that I have power, that the Son of Man has power over sickness and over sin, rise up and walk. These four men that carried, Je- that carried the man to Jesus come to the door. Now, I, I, would, I would imagine if that were me in this situation, and maybe I'm just, maybe this is just me and I'm just being real. But if I came to the house, and the house was full, and I couldn't even get next to the door. The house was overflowing. There was people all around. I would just look at the man and say, well, sorry. You know, we, we'll, we'll lay outside the door here. Hope, hope you get in at some point. Maybe somebody will help you in. We did our best. How many of you know that that's probably the farthest extent that we would probably go? But here are these four men who say, we can't get in, but there's another way. And so they get up on the roof, and didn't matter what the cost or the expense, well, let's tear, up, let's tear off the roof. didn't matter what the cost of that, was. didn't matter who was standing below, it might get hit in the head by, by tiles falling through, it didn't matter, we've just got to get him to Jesus. Let's forsake the obstacles, let's get rid of the obstacles and get this man to Jesus. Let's get our friend to Jesus. Let's get our friend to Jesus. You know, we, Sunday we started or launched the beginnings of our small group ministry. And sometimes when people come into church, and I'll just relate this to small group ministry, when people come in the church, they see the crowd. They see the crowd and what's going on in church. And they need someone like those four men. They need someone to come alongside of them and say, I'll help bring you to Jesus. I know that this may be intimidating and you may not understand it all, but as a small group leader, I'm going to come alongside of you and help you get to Jesus. And that's what small group ministry is all about. It's coming alongside of people and saying, let's get you into the presence of God. Let's get you into the place where God can change your life. That's what leadership's all about. That's what small groups are all about. Let's get you into the presence of God where you can encounter Him. The four. Men that brought this man to Jesus, the Bible doesn't say they were preachers or great evangelists, they weren't disciples, they weren't on the Jesus' top ten list, they weren't even, their names weren't even listed in Scripture. All they were willing to do was to come and hold a rope. All they needed to do was just hold the ropes. God's not looking for you to be some mega preacher, mega soul winner. You've got to do, you know, these top ten things to be used by him in the kingdom. No. You just need to be willing to hold the rope for somebody. Will you will you be willing? Maybe just to lead a small group in your home or open up your home and host a group or maybe stand at the doors and greet people as they come in and smile in the foyer or walk around and work in children's ministry and help with the kit. Whatever it is, would you be willing to just hold the rope for somebody to experience Jesus? That's all God's calling any of us to do. And you may feel totally inadequate. You may feel like, you, man, I could never get on stage and sing. That's Okay. There's a front door right out there that needs somebody standing there saying, we are so glad you're here today. Just something simple. Maybe you're intimidated by people. Just hand them a bulletin and smile. <laughs> and they look at you and say, what's he smiling? What's he so happy for? I'm in the place where the presence of God is. I'm happy to be here. Hand the next person a bulletin. So simple, so easy. I was so impressed. We went to a church, a pastor's conference at a particular church. And uh, while we were there, we were, we were in the foyer walking around, and it was like everybody we talked to in the foyer that was working at, the, at this pastor's conference, they were all people from the church, but all of them were saying the same thing. And I was so impressed because they were so excited about their church and what God was doing in their church, every one of them. It was exciting. We're so glad you're here. We're so excited about what God's doing here. We're so excited about what's happening in our church. It was like every person we talked to. And of course, as a pastor, I'm you know I'm going to ask questions. I want to know how they do things. I want to know what works and what doesn't. Well, we're so everyone. We're so excited about what God's doing. We just and they were shared. Well, that you know you may say, well, that was a pastor's conference. That was all planned. Well, I'm so glad that you're so pessimistic, but. (laughs) You know, when you preach, you can perceive people. So just like Jesus, you know, you can perceive what people are thinking. So I'm perceiving your thought. But anyway, they. Uh, I, but it, it intrigued me that that they were so excited, and everybody's on the same page. Lord, help us to be that excited about our church and what God's doing in our church. Help us to be people that are excited and take ownership of what God's saying and doing here. That we could be like these four men who carry the rope and bring somebody to Jesus. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, why, if you have flowers in the back room, if it rains in the summertime, don't you put them out in the rain to catch some water? Do so with your friends, your neighbors, your children, your family. While the rain of grace is dropping try to get them under the influence of it and if they will not come by one means try it another only do not get them where the only do get them where the power of the lord is present for perhaps jesus may look upon them and they may look to him and be healed in jeremiah 29 verse 13 it says and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart Lord, help us to be people that are passionately pursuing God, passionately pressing through whatever the obstacles are in our way, that we'll see him in all his glory. I, I don't know about you. I've experienced his presence. Like David, I can say, I've seen your power in your sanctuary, God. I've seen God do incredible things. I've seen his presence and, and felt him, sensed him. But God, there's got to be more. Lord, there's got to be more. Lord, I, I want to pursue you passionately. If that means that, you know, that looks different for us in all different seasons. Heather was talking about that maybe at the small group meeting or some point. The seasons in our lives change. And maybe you you may have been in one of those places where you studied the word. Heather was talking about a particular season uh, in one of our meetings where she was studying the word for sixty hours a week. She was teaching and doing classes and leading groups, and so she constantly was. That's all she did was in the, in the Bible, in the commentaries, in the study because she had so much teaching to do. And those are great seasons. But oh, when the seasons change and the fire turns up and life gets crazy, yeah. you may be looking at God. Where'd my sixty hours a week go? <laughs> I was really enjoying that time. And now I'm fighting, it seems like, demons on every corner. And if it's not a demon, it's my wife or my husband or my kid. And, you know, how I many you know what I'm talking about? So sometimes the seasons change, but it doesn't mean that we stop pursuing. The pursuit changes, changes the form maybe, but the pursuit is still there you know sometimes it means that you got to get your phone loaded up with the worship music instead of listening to all the garbage that's out there loaded up with the worship and plug in you know put it in the car whatever it, maybe it's maybe it's putting in the, the podcast of our of our services and listening online or listening on your phone or whatever the case might be you know there are, I love I love listening to podcasts and I love listening to audiobooks and read I love to read and there, there's been seasons in my life where I would go to go to two or three books a week and you know, and love reading the, the word and getting in study and through these books and authors. And then there are seasons where I'm like, man, I'm lucky to get one book in. But I still have to find a way to pursue God. The, it may take on a different form, but keep up the pursuit. Put get the worship in you, get the word in you, get Jesus in, fill your life, saturate yourself in the presence of God, get rid of the obstacles get rid of the obstacles. Christians are great at excuses. Well, I just don't have time. And you know, Jesus understands. I mean, that's what grace is, right? I mean, grace. We got grace. No, no, not that grace. Grace, like the supernatural grace. We got, you know, we have grace, right? We have the grace of God. So we're covered. We're good. No, no. Grace affects our heart to do those things. Grace, hello? Grace affects our heart and puts a hunger in us to pursue God. So when you start saying, God, let your grace affect me, you're saying, God, give me a hunger. Stir up hunger in my life and a passion for your presence and for your word. I think about David. You know, here's David and Goliath. David walks out onto the battlefield. You know, Saul's trying to put his armor on him. David goes and he gets, gets the stones out and he's out before Goliath. When you begin to face the Goliaths in your life, there are things that only the preparation of wrestling the lion and taking care of the sheep can prepare you for on the battlefield. If you, if you want to face the Goliath, we're all we all want to be, God, I want to be the best Christian I can be. I want to be the, you know, and I understand when people say that. And I understand what they're saying. But I always want to say when people say that, Read your Bible. <laughs> I want to be the best Christian I want to be. Great, read your Bible. How, how much time do you spend reading your Bible? You know, those are always my first questions. Are you reading the Bible? Are you worshiping? Are you praying in the Spirit daily? Are you just doing the basics? Are you just living Christianity? That's, that is being a great Christian. Y'all are getting way too quiet on me. Either I'm stepping on a lot of toes right now and I need to move right along or... Just get to the basics. You want to be a great Christian? Great Christians are people who do the basics, who love Jesus. I'm not a great, I don't become a great husband just because I give my wife a bunch of gifts and Put on some, you know, great clothes and dress myself up and come do some performance in front of her and get her to love me. And sometimes that's what we think of Jesus. I got to come to church, put on my best clothes and, you know, got to give him my money and do a performance in front of him. And then he'll love me more. No, that's not how it works. Jesus just wants a relationship. Your wife, just or husband, just wants a relationship. That's all Jesus. He just wants the relationship. Just do the basics. Here's David. On the shepherd sheep, doing what shepherds do with the sheep. And, you know, that's got to be a pretty messy job, pretty stinky job. In comes the lion, the bears. He's taking them out. It's because of the lion and the bear. Sometimes those issues on, on the shepherding side of things, those issues when you're a shepherd in the wilderness dealing with the sheep, the issues that come your way are the very things that prepare you when you walk before the Goliath and say, You come to me with your spear and your sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. The same God that delivered me from the lion and the bear, the same God that helped me when I was shepherding the sheep is the same God who helped me take your head off, sucker. Get ready. I'm about ready to feed your flesh to the birds of the air. You're going down. How could David say those things? Because he knew his God. He was doing the basics. He was just being faithful. He was doing the basics over with the sheep. When everybody thought he was a loser couldn't be king, would never amount to anything except for a shepherd. He just kept at it. And soon he was before Goliath and he won the victory for the Israelites. So you just be faithful. You just be, just be like those four men. I'll hold the rope. I'm going to have faith for this situation. The means of the miracle. Jesus saw their faith. Again, we talked about the collaboration. There is a powerful element of collective faith, corporate faith, we talked about this earlier, but 1 Peter in chapter 2 verse 5 says, "You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God." Through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, say, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God. We are the dwelling place, the place of his presence. Why why was Jesus moved by their faith? Because it's a picture of the body of Christ. It's a picture of us that we are coming together, each of us holding our own rope, each of us doing our part. And their faith. We've talked about this before, but Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, "Now faith is everybody say now that was in everybody. Now, now. <laughs> faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What is faith? Faith is the active, tangible perception and proof of the spiritual world. Faith is the active, tangible perception and proof of the spiritual world. What does that mean? Faith is not, well, I believe it, I claim it, I name it, it's going to happen. You can name and claim your Bentley all day long, but doesn't mean you're going to be driving around in one. <laughs> I used to work with somebody, and they had a picture of a car on the fr- refrigerator, and they said that they would walk by the refrigerator every morning, name and claim their car. What? I'm glad you have time for that. I'm busy, r- I'm busy trying to find ways I can reach people for Christ, and you're busy trying to find ways you can get a new car. Wow. <laughs> glad to know that that's what Jesus died for. Anyway, I digress. faith is active meaning now faith is faith is now it's active in the present faith is the substance it's tangible it's a substance it's a tangible perception just like our five senses each of us have five senses we can hear we can smell we can taste we can touch and we can see five senses right faith is our if to make it easy to understand faith is our five senses in the spirit it helps us to perceive and to have proof of what the unseen world is around us you and I can't, with our natural eyes, see what God's doing in the in the supernatural around us. But faith enables us to see where we don't have eyes to see. Faith enables us to have ears to hear what we can't hear in the natural. You may be looking at a, at a situation, looking for wisdom. God, I don't know, I don't know what to do in this situation. And all of a sudden, God will speak to you in a moment of time and and, and give you wisdom for that situation. Why? That's faith. You're seeing. There's a download of faith, supernatural faith for that. That situation, giving you the ability to hear what you couldn't otherwise hear or see or uh, taste or touch. It's the spiritual reality. This, this is effective for us. Many times, you know in services, uh, Heather was talking about this probably a month or so ago on Wednesday night and she said, "If you ever see my husband, in, in a service, and he, and he seems to zone out, this, this happens for me a lot in services, where, I, where, I, where I'll be up here during worship, and, or in service, and, and, and it, it's almost as if I, I'm in, a, I, and I feel like I'm in another world sometimes, that I just kind of cross over, that I cross over into this spiritual world, and, and I, I am more aware spiritually of what's going on around me than what's happening in the natural do you realize that God, God wants us to do that? God wants us to be able to put on this spiritual world, to be able to step into this spiritual realm around us and be able to see and to hear and be perceptive of what's going on. There are times in services where, where you know, you may think I'm getting up and trying to lead the band in the choir. I'm not a band leader, a singer, or there, I have no music in my body, and so it is impossible for me to try to do that. But when I, but there are times when I step into His presence and and come in by faith, spiritual perception, and cross over as it were. I can. It's like I can hear the heavenly melody i can hear what's going on and and have this heavenly spiritual sense of what's going on around me by by the holy spirit and and i i am leading directing and orchestrating what's happening in the natural to move it into this place where the spiritual things are happening. I don't know if that makes sense to your natural mind. I pray that it it illuminates something in your spiritual mind, but God help us to be people that live and walk sensitive by faith to the spirit world around us. There's a whole unseen world happening right now around you and I. We have this idea that the Holy Spirit, the Jesus, you know, there's some distant entity because they're in heaven, right? So there's some distant entity. But no, no, no. The Holy Spirit is so close. He's, he's like a cocoon around us. He's umbrellaed around us and he wants to wrap himself around you. And, and we must become sensitive to that and aware of that. God, give us a spiritual perception of this unseen world around us. It's that place where you begin to walk in the supernatural authority and power of God in your life. When you become when you become sensitive by faith to the spiritual world around you, it's then where you begin to step in to this place of signs and wonders and miracles in your life. Because you, then you begin to be aware of walking through the grocery store and sensing and seeing people as God sees them instead of how you see them with your natural eyes. You're seeing them in, through spiritual eyes. You're beginning to be moved with compassion for that person that's checking you out in the grocery store. And God all of a sudden gives you a word for them in that due season of their life. And you can share something with them that, that means something more than just the words that a natural person could speak. You, you go through and you see the sick person around you. And instead of having naturalized. Like Peter and John, you say, silver and gold I don't have. Get up and walk. There's a a faith and ability to perceive things that your natural eyes and perception can't perceive. So we walk and live in this place of faith by the Spirit of God, and we begin to flow in and walk in this supernatural place as Jesus did. And then, of course, Jesus said, I do these things that you may know that the Son of Man has power to forgive sins. I love what William Booth said, the founder of the Salvation Army. I've read this quote before, but I'll share it again. He says, I have no intention to depart in the smallest degree from the main principles on which I have acted in the past. My only hope for the permanent deliverance of mankind from misery, either in this world or the next, is the regeneration or remaking of the individual by the power of the Holy Ghost through Jesus Christ. But in providing for the relief of temporal misery, I reckon that I am only making it easy where it is now difficult and possible where it is now all but impossible for men and women to find their way to the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does is, what is the life of faith do? It helps us see the ways that we can bring people to Jesus. It helps us to live in this place of, God, I thank you that I've received power from on high to be witness. And, Lord, I'm going to live in this place of bringing others to you. How, how can I, how can I in my uh, inabilities and my weaknesses and my insecurities and all that I am... Have any effect on the hurting world around me? How, how did William Booth begin to make an impact? The faith that God gave him was to reach out to the hurting and the broken and provide food and clothing and help the homeless and the, and the destitute. God, how can I make a difference? Lord, what are you doing in me? What faith, what have you given me to be able to take that rope and bring somebody to you? What, what have you spoken to me? What have, what have you placed in my life so I can take hold of that rope and carry somebody to Jesus? The results of the miracle were this, that they glorified God and were amazed and left saying, we've never seen anything like that before. I laugh and I chuckle at that because we've heard that how many times since we've been here. We've never seen anything like this before. Why is that? Because we're walking in a place of supernatural life. We're walking in a place of faith. And when you do that, when you begin to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, operate by the Spirit of God, people are blown away because they haven't seen any, especially right now in the generation we live. They've not, there's nobody preaching. We had somebody here on Sunday morning. I'll wrap up with this. We had someone, uh, Grace, y'all can come on. Uh, we had someone here Sunday morning in service for the first time. And they came. They didn't stay for the leader's lunch. They came and found me. Uh, Somebody brought them to me at the leader's lunch. And they said, we've been in Akron however many years. And they said, we have not seen a church. We've been praying for a church like this. We've been waiting and looking for a church like this. We've not seen anything like this in years, however many years it was, of being in Akron. Finally, we have a preacher and we have a church that's revival-oriented, that's God-oriented, is wanting to see revival touch the city. And they were totally excited about all that God was doing. There's always going to be those who judge and say what they want to say. But when they leave, they're going to know something's different. We've never seen this before. And they're going to glorify God. They're going to glorify God. They may not do it at first. <laughs> but they're going to know that the presence of God the power of God to heal is in this house and that's that's what I want. It doesn't matter what they say about any of us the facility even even though you know we're going to make it look nicer. It doesn't matter about that I just want I just want to be somebody that can hold a rope. <laughs> I just want to be somebody who God you can work a miracle in somebody's life through me. I just want to hold a rope. Well, you don't understand what's going on in my life. I have, I'm paralyzed, and you can hold the rope. I guarantee you, you can hold the rope. I don't, I don't feel gifted. You can hold the rope. I'm not an eloquent speaker. Neither am I. You can hold the rope. I promise. I'm not, I'm not gifted at leading. Neither am I. You can hold the rope. I promise. You can hold the rope. I'm, I am one of the shyest people you'll meet. I don't like being in front of people. I don't like public speaking. I'd rather just be in the back row somewhere and do the behind the scenes work. I'm not I'm not the person out front. I hate mingling and socializing and meeting people and that's the last thing I'd rather do. That I'm not I'm just a I'm just bashful, shy, whatever. That's just me. But when you yield to the presence of God, isn't it funny? When you just yield to his presence, and say, God, I'll hold a rope. 15, 20 years ago, I said, God, I'll hold the rope. That's all I did. God, I'll hold the rope. Whatever it is. is, Here I am. You just be faithful. God takes care of the rest, and then all of a sudden, you find yourself standing in front of people doing what you said you could never do. Why? Because the power of God was present to heal, you just got to hold the rope. Why don't you stand with me this evening? Lord, I just thank you that under the sound of my voice there are people who are willing to hold the rope and see the paralyzed man healed. Lord, even if there are those here that are finding themselves, paralyzed themselves in some area of their life, in your presence, the power of the Lord is present to you. Lord, the same healing, that same same anointing that touched that paralyzed man in that moment that same anointing that raised that paralyzed man up off of that bed is available and present for each one of us Lord that each one of us can come before you bringing bringing those who are dead in their sin, Lord, bringing those who are broken, bringing those who are hurting. We know that your power is present to heal. Lord, even even in our own lives, even in our own lives, Father, you're our healer. Thank you, Lord. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure that these four men had issues in their own lives. We don't know who they were, but I'm sure that they had needs. I'm sure there were things that they needed God to do for them. God always takes note of their faith. God always takes note. I don't know if something happened in their life. The Bible doesn't record anything particular about these four men other than they brought them to Jesus and let them down. I don't know if these four men got a miracle, something happened in there. But I have to think, because Luke and Mark both record... Jesus saw their faith. There was something significant that Jesus saw about the five of them that was unordinary. And so I would have to imagine that Jesus, being who Jesus is, they received a blessing as well. Maybe the blessing was just seeing their friend get off the bed. Who knows? Maybe the blessing was just being able to give something that they couldn't give on their own. Who knows? But I assure you, if you will just hold the rope, God's going to meet you in a supernatural way as well. God will meet you in a supernatural way as well. Maybe I feel like this is a word for someone particular, I don't know who, I just feel like this is for someone particular, maybe the ailments in your life or the issues that you're facing aren't as bad as they really seem. Not, I'm. I'm not devaluing your life or that, Please don't take that the wrong way. But the reality is, maybe they're not as bad as they seem. Maybe it's the only thing you see. Maybe the issue is the only thing that you can see right now. And the minute that you get your eyes off of your problem and see the rope that needs to be carried for somebody else all of a sudden your problems don't seem so bad all of a sudden the issues aren't quite so big because all you've been looking at is the problems but when you all of a sudden bring somebody before Jesus and they get up and walk (laughs) that'll just change everything that'll just change everything wow I guess I got it better than what I thought it I thought I did. Your perspective changes. Why? Because you begin to magnify the creator and the problem solver and the one who loves you in spite of your mess. And all of a sudden you begin to see, wow, he did that for them. And then I know he could do it for me. If he raised them off the mat, wow, then he could take care of my family issue or my physical ailment. If he, and it builds faith in your life. Just hold the rope. Just get somebody to Jesus. Why don't you just close your eyes with me? I just believe tonight that God wants to touch you right where you're at. God wants to touch you right where you're at tonight. He wants to minister life and healing and hope to you.